0: For those of you who've been around, you will know that we're in a uh, in the last part now of a series that I've called Dig Deep, Build High. And the basic principle is that if you're going to build something, you have to have deep foundations to go high, otherwise it falls over. We know that in the natural. But if we dig deep spiritually, we will build high naturally. And it's in that order and in the previous two messages I've unpacked some of that if you haven't heard them you'll find them on our website go find them it's important I believe it's a key message for you as an individual and us as a church to see 2020 go where we dream it's going to go you need to dig deep spiritually are we up for that church take some effort can't just drift along and dig deep spiritually you have to make some choices but they're choices worth making amen so this is the principle it's it's under the basis that Psalm 139 God created you in the womb he crafted you and molded you he put dreams in you He put talents in you he thinks you're amazing and therefore he wants you to have an amazing outrageous life experience Jesus didn't hang on the cross having made you epic that your life would be ordinary He didn't die for ordinary. He died for outrageous. He died for exceptional. So the premise is God's plans for you are brilliant. But we can choose to walk in his plans or our own plans. And your plans might be good, but I can promise you this much. God's plans are better. But that takes choice. And one of the choices we're challenging ourselves to make this year is to honour God as king. He's the king. And sometimes we get along with our prayer requests and we make life about me. God, can I have this? God, will you do that? God, will you give me this? And he wants to, but it's like a great list of about me. When God's really saying, but are you about me? And so when we make it about him, he makes it about us. Seek first the kingdom of God. And everything else will be added to you. And it's in that order. So we need to dig deep spiritually to see our natural lives go higher. Are you with me? That's the concept. It's all based around this idea of the fear of the Lord, which sounds a bit kind of weird and freaky and scary, but it's not. Fear of the Lord doesn't mean being scared of him. It means revering who he is. You know, when someone important comes in, you're like, whoa, respect. But we're not talking about a person. We're talking about almighty God creator of heaven and earth, the one who laid down his life for you, deserves respect and honour because he's the king and we're not. Here's a couple of great verses to back that up. Isaiah 33 6 says this, he, God, he will be the sure foundation for your times, a rich store of salvation and wisdom and knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. Can you see? God's got good stuff here. He wants to be a firm foundation so you don't fall over in life. He wants you to stand strong. He wants you to be set free. Salvation isn't a one-off, one-off prayer. Oh, now I'm going to heaven. Salvation is an ongoing process where you get free from what's ever held you back. That's the, that's the key. Fear of the Lord to set yourself free and to gain wisdom and knowledge and have the best life. Psalm 34 verse 9 says this fear the Lord you his holy people for those who fear him lack nothing can you see everywhere you find the fear of the Lord it's backed up with something good that will bless you so fearing God isn't some weird religious thing about being scared it's about revering him and putting him in his right place and when we do that good things happen why because God crafted you And he made you unique and special and he loves you and he died for you and he wants your life to go well. Is there an amen somewhere in the house? See, when you look at the whole concept of heaven, so often I think in church and in Christianity, we talk about just doing our best just to get through this life without messing up too much so that one day we get to heaven. There's that concept, isn't it? if I just do my very best, if I try not to mess up, if I try to become, one day I'll get to heaven. But that's that's an okay concept. But what God wants us to do is to experience heaven on earth now. The call of us, for us is to bring heaven to earth now. The Spirit of God lives in you now. So therefore we have the ability to experience heaven now. And then your life becomes this glowing example of what it's like to walk with Jesus. And it's not about a bunch of religious people pointers it's about carrying the king of kings in your heart it's about living that way who knows there is no lack in heaven so if we're going to experience heaven now the fear of the lord is the key so there will be no lack you should have no lack now who knows there is no sickness in heaven do you see who knows there's no tears in heaven no rejection in heaven we should be experiencing that now and all we need to do is put God in his rightful place and walk in his path. And I'm not saying you'll never have dips, because the Bible doesn't say that. But your average trajectory will be getting better and better. And But you might have a dip, but you'll get better. And But you might have a dip, but you'll get better. And when you look back in five years' time, you'll say, I made a decision to put God where he belongs, and my life just keeps getting better. Can you see? Let's experience heaven on earth now. I want to see a church full of the miraculous, don't you? You know, we can live great lives and people might be inspired by us and I hope they are. We can speak truth and give wisdom. But when someone's mum or someone's daughter or someone's granddad is sick and really at death's door and they walk into the church and get healed like that, there is no argument. I want to see that. But it starts, church, not just by us whooping and hollering. And let's whoop and holler and celebrate those things. It starts with a decision in our heart that you're king. And when I put you in your place, it allows heaven to flow. Can you see? And so we've talked about in this series, we talked about stewardship. Fearing God with the gifts he's given you. At the end of your time, you will stand before God. And for those of you who have Jesus in your heart, it's not going to be a case of are you in or you're out. It's going to be a case of did you do what I asked you to. And there needs to be some reverence about that. You are gifted. Don't waste your gift. Come on, step up. I've loved over Facebook watching people saying, oh, I feel inspired. I'm writing a song. i have applied for a different job. I've invited some friends around. They've just started to do different things and it excites me. And then we talked last week about presence. Hosting the presence of God all of the time in reverence. So when you enter a room, it's not just you entering a room, it's you and the King of Kings entering a room. It has to change the room. It just has to. But do we experience that? And if we don't, is it because we need to put the king where he belongs? On the throne of our lives. And we've talked this through. Today I want to talk about some principles. There are kingdom principles that are irrevocable and we need to submit to. Why? Because God wants us to have the best life. Can you see the foundation I'm trying to... God wants you to win. And he's given us the tools on how to win. So we need to walk in those tools. We got it? If the Queen of England was visiting Colchester how much excitement would be around Colchester imagine if, if in six months time we knew the Queen was coming they'd have the council guys out there cleaning the streets all the shop fronts would be clean and freshly painted people would go out and buy a hat <laughs> the streets would be lined up wouldn't they just in case you can get on the on the TV you know, no one's looking for the Queen you're looking for yourself in the front row oh did you see me I was on the telly But my point's this, they'd roll out the red carpet. Everyone would know the queen is in town and people would make an effort. Why? Because we know who she is and we know what she carries and so we honour her. Because we want to be part of what's happening. So when we talk about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom has a king. And we need to honour him. And that means shifting to stuff so that he is number one. He is most important. We honor the Queen. We honor people. You know, if you're studying right now and you're all in the room before the class starts and start sh- throwing paper at each other and messing about, the moment the teacher walks in, you shush because they carry authority. You know, if you're driving a car and you are speeding, because we'd never do that, with we, church? Not here in Essex. And you are speeding and you see a police car up the road, what do you do? You slow down sharpish. Why? They haven't said anything, but they carry authority. And so you honour it because they've got authority to bring change to your world. Do you know God's got authority to bring change to your world? So we need to put him in the rightful place and honour it. I hope you're building a picture with you and grabbing hold of this. The word, the Hebrew word for honour is kbed. Turn to three people and go kbed. That word kbed ultimately means to put weight behind something. It's the weightiness. So when you talk about the glory of God, they will also use the word kebed. It's the weight of the presence of God. If you ever been in a meeting where the worship just goes to a place and it's like, it feels thick and heavy. That's the glory of God in the room. The word's kebed. It's honouring the presence of God. And so what, there's a whole principle here about putting our weight behind God. But what I love about my God is that he leads the way. Look at this in Psalm 8, and verse 4 through 6. What is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you take care for them. You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honour. You made them rulers over the works of your hands and put everything under their feet. I love that. Right at the beginning, when God was creating everything, He looked at mankind, me and you, and says, I'm giving you glory and honor. I'm putting my weight behind you. You're going to be in charge. And we see that outworking in creation today, don't we? God, right at the beginning, honored us. He put his weight behind us. He positioned us and wanted relationship with us. Then what happened? Humanity imploded. It became, there was death and jealousy and sickness and hatred and all kinds of horrendous stuff. And the God of heaven who'd honoured us and given us glory and given us position was looking, it was sad. And he could have said, what a bunch of numpties. I'll do something else, forget them. But he didn't do that. Do you know what he did? He honoured us again. He said to his son, would you go? We love these. They're our treasured possession. They're the apple of our eye. They carry glory and honor. Come on, we've got to do something. And Jesus comes down, God's best, his only son, and dies a death he didn't deserve. Why? Because he was honoring you and putting weight behind you and positioning you for the best life. It was always about giving you honor. And the trouble with that is it requires a response. God honored us and then he honored us again. God has played his hand, he honored you, and it requires a response and it requires a decision. Will you honour him or will you not honour him? 1 Samuel 2 verse 30 says this, very famous verse. Therefore the God of Israel declares, I promised that members of your family would minister before me forever. But now the Lord declares, far be it from me. Those who honour me, I will honour. Can you see? There's a cycle of honour. God honoured us. We messed it up so he honoured us again. And now he's honoured us. He's saying, what's your response going to be? Because if we honour him, what's he going to do? honor us again and we go on this lovely cycle of honor oh he honored me I'm going to honor him back oh he's going to honor me again I honored him back and life just gets better and better and better and what makes it better honor getting your weight behind something the things of God will carry weight with me I make them important and I honor him and the response of God is love that man I can honor him back now and you get this lovely cycle of honor and it's a good cycle I don't know if you're familiar with the Chariots of Fire film. I I love it. It's a bit long. It's about 19 hours long. But it's a great film. It's a true story about the 1924 Olympics. A guy called Eric Liddle, who was, at the time, the fastest 100 metres runner in the world, but a Christian man. And he said, you know, they decided the final of the 100 metres was going to be run on a Sunday. And he said, I'm not going to run. Because I honour my God more than I honour the Olympics. My, My Sunday for me, in my opinion... It's for God, he said. And so I won't run because it carries more weight with me. And they were like, can you imagine Usain Bolt today saying, not going to run? It would ruin the Olympics, wouldn't it? Because everyone wanted to see him run. But it was the same thing. Eric Liddell was the star boy. We've got to run him. Otherwise, everyone's going to be disappointed not to see him run. And so they have a discussion and decide they'll allow him to run in the 400 metres because it wasn't on a Sunday. And so he says, "Okay, I'll give it a go. He's never run the 400 metres before. He's obviously super fast, but it's not his specialist event. He runs in the semis and gets to the final. And in the final, true story, the American coach runs out onto... But you know when they're limbering up at the beginning? And you know how it is in the, in the sprint races, they're all puffing their chests out. <sighs> limbering up, I've got, I've got bigger pecs than you, so I'm going to be faster. And uh, that's the same guy who, after three yards, is like, oh, dummy hammy. <laughs> But in that bit where they're limbering up, he runs out onto the track where Eric Little's warming up and he puts a piece of paper in his hand. And Eric Little opens that paper and it's that verse. On Samuel 2.30, those who honour God, God will honour. He screws that bit of paper up and holds it. And he runs that race and he wins. Not only does he win, he sets a world record that is honouring God I won't run because it carries more weight with me now we may not we may not agree with that today but then it was important to him and he said oh, honouring my God what happened? God honoured him back he blew everyone away the whole film is brilliant it builds up to it you know like Hollywood films where it comes out and it slow it. and he just pulls away and at the end it's just like which oh. well, you know what All of heaven is watching your life. I wonder what goes on in heaven. The Bible says there's a cloud of witnesses. Wouldn't it be great if a bunch of people in Essex said, I'm going to honor you. I'm going to put you first. And then you go about your life. (laughs) And heaven's going, yeah. But all jokes aside, it starts with a decision based around honor. Come on, he's king. His principles rule everything. I wonder how many people want some blessings to flow in your life, some prosperity to flow in your life, some healing and health to flow in your life. Well, it starts with honour. It's a principle of the kingdom, and we need to get involved with it. Amen? When you look at Eden, which is ultimately where we end up in this mess that we're in today, this problem revolved around honour. God put them in Eden. They believe it would be somewhere in Turkey. If we we're looking at today's world. Eden would have been about the size of England. Massive. We know that there was at least four rivers. Biblical description. So it wasn't someone's back garden. It wasn't Castle Park. It was huge. God walks with man, literally face to face. Can we even picture that? He walks face to face with man. He says, I'm king. This is how I want you to honour me. Don't eat from that tree. Because that will be your free will choice to say that you love me and you honour me. Explore the garden. They had a garden the size of England. Don't eat from one tree. One little tree. Just one. And it will show you honour me. Can you see? What did they do? Throw me a bone here. They ate from the tree. It's just like, so what happens there? They showed out of their decision that they don't honour God. They don't put weight behind what he asked. They don't revere him as king. They did their own thing. In fact, they dishonoured him. What happens next is God says, I love you. I will always love you and I still love you. But you can't now walk in my blessing because there's no honour. And blessings flow flow through honour. So they stepped out of his presence. The very next thing that happens is they have children and they kill each other. They start marrying multiple times and it all gets a bit messy. There is sickness and death. You see, everything we wrestle with today stems out of dishonour at the beginning. And the trouble is now we have this decision to make even now. If we walked in honour, blessings can flow. Can you see what I'm trying to say? This is an irrevocable principle of God. The tree was God's portion. This is the king's portion. Don't touch the tree because it's how you honour me. There was a king's portion involved. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was Adam, I wouldn't have done that. Would you have done that? Come on. Let's eat from that tree and that tree and that tree. There's millions of trees. Why that tree? I wouldn't have done it. Or so we say. Because today, do you know there's still a king's portion? And too many of God's kids are eating it and then saying, Where's my blessing? Where's my blessing, God? You said you'd bless me. I'm reading your promises. And God says, but there's no honour. And the blessings can't flow unless there's honour. And you will find the king's portion in the way you handle your finances. Proverbs 3 verses 9 and 10 says this. Honour the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Can you see how honour works? If you honour me here... I'm going to honour you back. And who knows, God's going to honour you more than you could ever honour him. You give me this little bit and I'm going to just fill your vats. It talks about crops and there's lots of, lots of um, agricultural language because it's the language of the time. But they dealt in crop, crops. They didn't necessarily swap things with money. I'll give you these crops of potatoes and you give me that. That's how they dealt with stuff. In today's language, it's not talking about potatoes. How do we deal In today's language, it is finances. Honour the Lord with your wealth. Get your weight behind God with your wealth and he will honour you back. But there's this thing called the tithe. And I want to just unpack it just for five minutes. We don't talk about this very much in church, but I'm your leader and I want to position you at least with great understanding so that you can make your free will choice with understanding. Because I'm sure you've heard the tithe. We're taking tithes and offerings. There'll be people in this room going, don't even know what the tithe is. I'll give it a clap. Well, I want to. Give you some opportunity to understand what it's about. Maybe you've heard this stuff before, but you're in a different place today. It's today the day you start saying, I need to walk in honour. Because the outworking of that is God's going to honour you. And it's how honour flows and blessing comes. The most famous verse, Bible verse probably is in Malachi chapter 3. Let's start here in Malachi 3 and verse 8. It says this. Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you in tithes and offerings? You see, God is saying, it's my portion. It's mine. The tree in the garden was mine. And you ate from it and stepped out of my blessing. The tithe is my portion. And you're eating it and wondering where your blessing is. And it's not just a financial blessing. I I get really uh, kind of frustrated when people come to me and go, I'm sick, I'm up against this situation, I'm asking God to open this door, I need God to change this situation, I need him to open some doors, I need him to do that. And the first thing I can say is, but do you honour God? And they're like, well, so it's cake and eat it, church. There's principles involved and they're irrevocable. You can say I don't agree with you, Barry, knock yourself out but don't expect the blessings to flow because there's principles and it's God wants to bless you. Yeah. He wants you to win. He wants to burst open doors. He wants it to be outrageous. He wants you to have what you want. He wants you to have your health. But he's already honoured you. What's your response going to be? Can you see? Come on, church. We need to nail this stuff. We need to nail it. Malachi 3.10 says this. Bring the whole tithe. Turn to three people say, Whole tithe. Into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Now, I just want to unpack that just for a second. The storehouse is your local church. That's what the storehouse is. Some people go, I believe in tithes, Barry, but I would put 3% over there and 5% over there and 2% over there. I'll keep 1% for myself in case I want to do something for God later. No, no, that's not what it says. The whole tithe comes into the storehouse. Why? So there'll be food on my table. So it can function. The reason we've got lights and music and the reason you can have a coffee and people can have some food after church isn't because we just pray and God drops it out of the sky. It's because people honour God with their finances so we can function. It's his portion. Are you understanding it? Test me. Go on, give me a go. If you're not a tither yet, let me encourage you. Do it for a year. I do not know one person in my whole ministry who has tithed for a year and at the end of it regretted it. Not one not one test me says the Lord and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room for you to store it that's God's heart for you but there's a principle at stake can you see and this isn't religion this is kingdom principles he's the king we're revering him we're not the king Are you with me? So many people just want the blessings to flow and I pray for you and I do. But sometimes I pray and I feel like I'm praying to to the ceiling because I know there's no honour. And so it doesn't get through because the Father's like, come on, I want to love you. But this is a two-way street. This is a relationship. I just want to unpack the tithe a little bit just to get some confusion out of the way. Because those of you who have been in church a long time might say things like this. The tithe is Old Testament. Give me a wave. Have you heard that? Lots of people. The tithe is the law, and Jesus set us free from the law, so therefore the tithe doesn't apply for me. Anyone heard that one? Lots of people. These are the things, and I understand those concepts. But let me give you my version of it, and I hope it blesses you. You will find in Genesis fourteen verses eighteen through twenty a time when Abraham, who is the father of our faith, meets this guy called Melchizedek. It will come on the screen. Melchizedek, king of Salem. Melchizedek's a king. He's a forerunner of Jesus. He's in the line of Jesus. He brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God. He was king and priest, forerunner of Jesus, most high. And he blessed Abraham. Oh, uh, um, blessed be Abraham by, most, by God most high, creator of heaven and earth. And praise be to God most high who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then... Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. At that point, this is 400 years before Moses wrote the law. This was not a rule. This was not the law. He didn't have to do it. Do you know what it was? It was a heart moved with honor. There's a principle at stake in my heart to do with honor, not to do with rules. You're the king. The king's portion is a tenth. The tithe means tenth. Can you see? So it's nothing to do with the law. Again, Genesis 28 verses 20 through 22 is this time when Jacob goes to sleep and has a dream. And you'll know the story. He dreams and the heavens are opened and angels go up and down on the ladder. You've heard of Jacob's ladder. They go up and down from heaven and and he's having this dream. He's like, wow, I'm under an open heaven. This is Bethel, the house of God. Because heaven touched earth in this place. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey, I, I am taking I will, and give me food and, to eat and clothes to wear so that I may return safely to my father's house. Then the Lord will be my God. And on this stone I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And all that you have given me, I will give you a tenth. Again, no rules, no law, just a heart that's been moved by an open heaven. This is the house of God, Beth-El. A tenth belongs here. These are the fathers of our faith. This is not about a bunch of rules. This is about a kingdom principle that is forever and irrevocable, and they walked in it. The trouble is Moses saw this, and he knew it was right. Wow, you know, Abraham, Jacob, they gave a tenth to the Lord and they were blessed and they walked in it. I want my people, I'm the leader of Israel uh, and I want them to walk in it. But he knew that the Israelites were stiff-necked people. You ever heard that phrase? Give a tenth to God. Oh, not not me. Give a tenth to the Lord. Oh. Moses knew that would be a reaction. But he was after their blessing. He knew if they honoured God, God would honour the nation. And so what did he do? He made it a rule, didn't give them the option because he knew their hearts were wrong. And so he said, this is the law, you give a tenth to God. And it was only because they had hard hearts and stiff necks, but Moses, their leader, wanted them to walk in the blessing. Are you hearing it? So it was never supposed to be the law. It was always supposed to be about a heart. But Moses made it the law because of hard hearts. Jesus has set us free from the law, amen, but we still have a heart issue and one of the ways we show our hearts in honour to God is giving him his portion. We would never eat the tree in the garden, would we? No, 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 no. Therefore, we would never keep the tenth, would we? Controversial. Let me talk about Jesus. Jesus' New Testament. We all agree Jesus' New Testament. Luke 16, verses 10 through 12 says this, Jesus speaking, Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with very much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who can trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trusted in handling someone else's what belongs to someone else, who will give you property of your own? What on earth could he be talking about? Handling what belongs to someone else. How can you have what you want if you can't handle what belongs to someone else? Now, Jesus, what are you talking about? I've chatted to people and talked to them about giving. and They've said, yeah, I'm just not in a position yet. I've got stuff going on. and, And when I've got a bit more, I'll give. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, he who can handle a little will be given more. But he who can't handle a little can't handle more. So you think if I just keep doing what I'm doing and dishonoring God in that, God will bless me. And I don't think that's the truth. And I'm saying this stuff not to kind of give you a kick up the backside because I want your blessing. I want heaven to flow in your world. And it's not just about fun. It talks about true riches. If your family is sick, what are you doing? If you're looking for someone in your family to meet Jesus, how are you honoring? It's all linked together. It's not just about more money, although it can be about more money. Mark 12 verse 17, Jesus speaking again. What on earth could he have been talking about? They said, should we pay taxes? They went, boo. And Jesus said this, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. What could he be talking about? What could Jesus, New Testament, after the law, set us free from? What could Jesus actually be talking about? What's God's? There you go. The 10th. Jesus back the 10th. Jesus himself. There is no debate, people. And I'm saying this because I want your blessing. The trouble with me saying something like this, I I think preachers and and particularly church leaders teach on this stuff because we want you to be be blessed. So I'm thinking, we honour God, he blesses you. What you hear is, he wants my money. I don't want your money. My wage is set by the trustees of this church. I don't have a say in it. So whether you give billions of pounds or £2.50 or nothing, it doesn't affect me. But it affects you. Your blessing is at stake. Can you hear me? It's always been about a heart issue. And if you, took, if you do a research through the Bible about money, very often, in most cases, there's a link with heart. One great verse is Matthew six twenty one, Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. And it's linked time after. God does not need your money. But he does want to see your heart. And so often we show our heart and how, how we handle our possessions. Are you with me? What I want to do here, I hope I've unpacked that in an an understandable way. And don't be condemned, but maybe go on a journey. Let me encourage you, take a step. If that's where you're at, take a step. Maybe you're not positioned to do this yet, but take a step because God will honour a step and he will help you. I could get 50 people up right now to say, I wrestled with this years ago, I did it and now look at me. I could do that, but I'm not going to do that because I'm not going to have time. But what I do want to do is I want to invite a man to the stage just for a few minutes just to share some stuff. Um, I'm going to invite Robin in one second because Robin's a businessman and he's been successful, very successful in the business world and God's blessed him. And there are reasons why God's blessed him. Not just because he's a clever businessman, which he is, but because there's been honour and God's been able to back him. And I've asked Robin to come, particularly to share some thoughts around him as a business owner. I believe there are business owners in the building, and I believe there are future business owners in the building. And the principles are even are apt. If you want to be a great business person and be blessed in the financial world, well, more than ever, you need to honour God. Yeah. So we believe in honour and getting our weight behind. So can I get you to get to your feet and give Robin some honour as I invite Robin Cotsro to the stage, please. <laughs>
1: Thank you, Barry. It's all true. (laughs) Oh, dear. Isn't it amazing? Only a couple of weeks ago, I started to talk about this subject as a prompter. I suppose it was the Lord that prompted me to sort of just say what I said. And, uh, you know, great. Um, Yeah, basically, um, I think Martin Luther um, was known to have said that we need two conversions, once of our heart and once of our wallet. (laughs) Because it is a difficult subject, and uh, money is a very, very delicate issue. But it's money is something that I've always dealt with for myself and also for, for clients of mine. Um, and um, when I spoke last time, I, I, I mentioned about this survey that was done, whereas if everybody in the church was made redundant, this survey, I don't know, about 20 or so years ago, uh, and then they tithed on their unemployment benefit, the offering would go up by 65%. Wow. And I think a lot of people don't grasp this truth, this revelation of tithing. Um, And it's something that I'm really pleased that I was taught and I practiced for over 50 years. And therefore I've been walking in God's blessing. and I just want to say a few things about um, uh, how I felt that I found God has, has helped me and, and, and enabled me to, uh, uh, to, to believe and to walk in these principles that I can then share with you. okay I've got five minutes, I'm not going to go on. Um, but one of the things that I really like about that passage um, in Malachi is it talks about the floodgates of heaven being opened. Uh, and there's only two times in the whole of Scripture, where the floodgates of heaven are mentioned and the other one is in Genesis with Noah's ark and look at the floodgates that opened then wouldn't it be great if everybody in this church tithed so that not 10% of the floodgates of heaven were opened not 20% of the floodgates of heaven were opened, but 100% of the floodgates of heaven were opened because we've got to make a decision soon about a new building. Where do we get the money from? Yes, God owns the cattle on a thousand hills, but he gets it from us. And so these are a couple of the, uh, the principles that uh, I found to be true in my life. Um, I have a desire to try and give more and the tithe. That, that's my heart's desire and it's always been like that uh, and I've been able to uh, find that God has helped me not only in the, uh, the the financial side of things but also in the practical side of things. Let me give you an example. In that passage in Malachi it talks about God rebuking the devourer, the pests and it also talks about making sure that their crops, the fruit doesn't actually fall off before it's ripe. Chris and I have often believed that we can walk in God's blessing in lots of different areas of our lives, Um, and this is what we did last year. I've got a um, a motor mower, and it's twenty years old, and uh, uh, it packed up. And I thought, you know, I want to pack up the mower. I don't want to buy another two or three grand motor mower. Why isn't this one working? So I got my brother-in-law to come and have a look at it. And uh, he managed to, uh, to get it going. And it was a, a faulty connection with a, a little electrical pulse. I mean, I'm not very um, clever at explaining all these sorts of things. But this, anyway, what we did, Chris and I, we laid hands on our mower. <laughs> and we said, Lord, you promise that you will rebuke the devourer. Yeah. We've tithed, we've given, we've done offerings, we believe your word. Lord, will you honour us in this? So we started the mower and away it went. And every time since last year, I've started the mower and I've put the key in and I thought, will it start this time? Yes, it has. Now, of course, things do eventually wear out. But how many people, um, you know, have problems at home with things breaking down? You know, your washing machine packing up, your TV going, problems with the car. You know, if you look after your things, I believe we should not live in this throwaway society where things uh, break down. But I believe that we can live in God's blessing. And as far as the business is concerned, 20 um, odd years ago, I, um, I was going through some old papers um, we we're in the middle of a recession I mean a lot of you people today don't know what a recession is but I'll tell you what you get made redundant uh, firms start collapsing and, and it's pretty horrible and I was going through some paperwork and I, and I felt God say to me you can do this and it was a leaflet about taxis, and I felt God say that I could start selling insurance to taxi drivers why taxi drivers? Well, the average insurance premium in those days was about £200 to insure your car. For a taxi driver, it was about 1500 or £1,000. Wow. And I thought, OK, I might give this a try. And then I went to a seminar, uh, and the seminar was about um, helping people um, raise credit. Uh, and I travelled all the way to Southampton for this, uh, and I was sitting in this seminar three times in a row the guy at the front said, good people to market this sort of stuff to are taxi drivers. And you know when God's speaking to you and he says the same thing over and over in a different situation, I thought, blimey, I reckon God's trying to tell me something here. So I went back, had some leaflets distributed, a uh, guy our church then, um, he went and all the taxi ranks all were around Essex and Suffolk. And, you know, the car started pouring in uh, and... We had lots and lots of business. That's one example. Another example um, of, of believing um, in the principles of tithing uh, 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 on a financial side were that um, we, we, I, I really felt that it was a r- the right thing to do to, to honour God and to bless him. And I just felt on this particular occasion, I was talking to this client, and uh, they said, I want to buy a house and I want to let it out to students. Can you help me raise some finance? And in that moment, was it my thought or was it God's thought? Was it a coincidence? You can do this. And so 20 odd years ago, we started uh, uh, buying property to rent out principle that God had given us. So what is the tithe then? Okay, a business person has got a company. Um, We all know that uh, we try and organize our affairs as best as we can, uh, and we try to minimize our tax. So tax avoidance is legal. Tax evasion is illegal. So everybody tries to organize your affairs so that you minimize the amount of tax that you pay. Uh, and uh, and a government encourages to minimize the tax because they let you pay into ISAs and pensions and other things and they give you tax breaks so they encourage you to do it Okay. well I reckon that it's important for us to realize that we need to ensure that the way that we pay ourselves if we're a business owner is uh, and we calculate the tithe correctly on the basis of what our profit is So there are ways to reduce our income uh, by paying us a very low salary and then we can draw out dividends. Sorry, this is boring, some of you. But I believe, you like it, yeah? Yeah, okay. But I believe it's important that we tithe on the full amount, not just the salary, but the net profit at the end of the year because it's God's, it belongs to him. And I believe that there's principles here that if we... Honour God with the tithe, that protects us, that protects our finances, that protects our health, that protects our appliances, which is why I laid hands on my motor motor mower and whatever my car. But I believe also that we have to make sure we live in the process um, uh, of honouring God by doing the right thing. And the right thing sometimes is to live with integrity. I heard this morning that there was a, a guy in America who was driving his car and uh, who knows, it in America they've got some lanes for people to drive in with more than one passenger, more than one person. And this guy was pulled over by a copper and he'd got a skeleton with a hat on and gloves on and a coat and he was sitting in the passenger seat. And he was using that lane because he knew that he could save on the, on the cost and the tax. So, we have to ensure that our integrity protects us. A good one, wouldn't you like that one, don't you? We have to ensure that our integrity positions us for God's blessing. So, the tithe protects us, our integrity positions us, and then God gives us the increase. So, I believe that. If we can trust God to bless us, then he will bless us. There was about a year ago, I had a, uh, a lady pop in. We, we pray about our business, and I'm sure many of you that are in business, and if you're not starting a business yet, or you're going to start a business in a few years' time, you will want to pray God's blessing on your business. We regularly pray for our business every week. And uh, we were praying for some new clients and new customers to come in. uh, And it's just like God. One day this lady came in and she said, I'm retiring. Would you please take on all of my clients? About 50 of them. Just like that. So I believe that where we honour God, God will honour us. And then those floodgates of heaven will be opened and we can see his blessing. I hope that's helpful. Um, There's a lot of questions about whether you tithe on the net or the gross. And I would say this as well, that I've been doing this all my life. I've been trusting God for blessing all my life. Some of us here may find it very hard to suddenly think, I've got to give 10%. How am I going to do it? But as Barry said, taking small steps to begin to honour God then you will see him move in your life. Amen. Thank
0: you, thank you. Thank you. I, I hope that's helpful. Um, I had some other stuff to say, but I, I feel like it's settling on people. I believe if you can nail this principle, it will change your life. And I, I don't negate it's sometimes tricky. But do we believe God's king or don't we? That's what it boils down to. Is he king or isn't he? You know, because the other principle that I wanted to share, and I'm not going to do too much, was is generosity. There's honour and generosity. And sometimes I feel like it's easy to be generous with people while being stingy with God. So if we honour God, and then it frees us to be generous to people, and I hope you're generous. Now, I challenge Sarah and I at one on this, and sometimes we'll go out and we'll have a meal And there'll be six or seven people around the table and we'll look at them and we'll go, we're going to buy this. And it's not because we've got stacks of money, it's because we've got a generous heart. And who knows those people now like us? Because who doesn't want to be around a generous person? Now my mum's got an awesome story where she was shopping and um, she just, mum lives close to God, she honours God, it's her life. And she was paying her Tesco's bill and God said to her, Pay for the man behind you shopping. And she had one of those moments like, that can't be God because that's a bit weird. Oh, what on earth's going on here? And then she was paying her settling meal, and God kept saying, pay for the man behind you. I mean, who does that? But i tell you who does that a generous person. And so the guy started loading up his shopping and putting it through, and there was a fair amount there. And mum kind of just sidled up to him, feeling a bit awkward. I know this is a bit weird sir but I'm a Christian I feel like God's told me to pay for your shopping would you allow me to pay for your shopping he looked her in the eye and burst into tears and he said to her you won't know this I'm a Christian too and this is the food for my daughter's wedding and I've got no means of paying for it but God positioned my mum who honoured him and is a woman who has a generous heart she possibly didn't have enough money but if you'll step out God will meet you there And that's the principle. Don't look at what you've got. Look at what God's got. And that allow you to be generous. And that allows heaven to flow. So can we stir something up in ourselves this morning to do with honour and generosity as principles of revering the King that allows heaven to flow on earth through your life? Are you hearing with me? Let's stand up. I'd love to pray with you. (coughs) Let me just invite you just to close your eyes and let's take a moment. I know it's an unusual topic. And if you're new here, we don't do this all the time, maybe once in a year at best, but it's important. Come on, let's give Jesus our attention. Father, I again, I want to thank you for every amazing person here. I want to thank you that we all have our wrestles and we're all different, we're all at different stages in our journey. But right now, as your church, as your children, as your people, we lay our lives before you and say guide me. What step do I need to take? Where do you want to challenge me? Lord everything I have is yours and I give back to you from it. Lord I just pray that you'd encourage us, that you want to bless us. You'll never leave us hanging, you'll never leave us short because you're the king of generosity. Thank you that Jesus demonstrated this on earth. Everywhere he went, he did over and above, more than enough, went the extra mile, gave away more, gave his time, did everything because it's who he was. And we want to reflect that as a church. So you be glorified in our lives. And we hold you to your word, Lord God. As we honor you, we trust that you will honor us and all God's people said should we give Father a round of applause what he's going to do in our world let's go out on some praise